The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Thursday edition of Squawk Box. Here are your headlines. Well, Sterling just pairing gains now, having jumped more than 2% as British lawmakers rule out leaving the EU without any deal at all. But today the action moves on to a vote where MPs will ask the EU permission to potentially delay Britain's 29th of March departure date. The House has to understand and accept that if it is not willing to support a deal in the coming days, and as it is not willing to support leaving without a deal on the 29th of March, then it is suggesting that there will need to be a much longer extension to Article 50. Meanwhile, Brussels takes a hard line as the European Commission says no deal remains an option, and EU Chief Brexit negotiator Michel Barnier questions why the bloc should approve an extension. U.S. grounds Boeing 737 MAX 8 and the plane maker suspends its entire global fleet as regulators cite links between two fatal crashes over the past five months. The FAA's acting administrator tells CNBC new evidence led to the decision. It was only after the enhancements were done uh, yesterday and into this morning that we were able to, uh, to really have a a, a good picture of the flight track. That flight track lined up um, close enough to the Lion Air incident that we, uh, we made the decision. Chinese shares drop after industrial output growth slows to a 17-year low in the first two months of the year, pointing to further weakness uh, in the world's second largest economy. The British Parliament will vote on delaying Brexit later today after it rejected leaving the European Union without a deal. In a dramatic vote last night, MPs defied the government by backing a motion that rules out a no-deal Brexit under any circumstances. Well, the immediate reaction in the pound was to send sterling significantly stronger against the dollar and other currencies. As you can see, we've just eased back a little bit from that 133 level, but there is still some hope in this currency that we will not see a hard Brexit at this point. But let me uh, bring Steve in at this point. Steve, uh, we ought to be clear that was really only an indicative vote yesterday, and um, it still means that a hard Brexit remains on the table. Yeah, good morning to you, Jeff. Good morning. Uh, look, I've been trying to bang on to people all week that this is an expression of will from British parliamentarians. If you look at what's actually in the statute book, what is law at the moment is that Britain leaves with or without a deal on March 29th. I think sterling traders need to get over that as well and listen to what the Europeans are saying because they need permission for any extension as well and they need a reason to give that extension. But just going back briefly to the events of last night before we go on to the events of today and it all flowed into an enormous day when 
Of course, the Prime Minister couldn't even take part in the debate. The Environment Minister, Mr Gove, who is a Brexiteer, incidentally, uh, led the debate uh, about the no deal uh, because she lost her voice and she got her voice back later on as well. But safe to say she lost one vote, uh, 312 to 308. Then she lost another vote. And this is key, one where ministers and the whole government and Tories were whipped. She lost this one, 321 to 278. And that's quite important because the likes of Goke, the likes of Mundell, the likes of the Business Secretary Clark and Key Amber Rudd all uh, abstained. And, and one um, uh, junior cabinet minister, welfare minister, Sarah Newton, she quit the government so she could vote against uh, the motion of having uh, um, a no deal Brexit at any time. The government had wanted to make it more specific, saying, look, just March 29th, no deal, uh, but we'll leave it on the table for another time. So it was, a, it was a night of high drama, a lot of chaos. No one knew at one point which aisle they were supposed to be going because the government was whipping in the second part of this against its own motion. That's how complicated it was as well. Anyway, safe to say, then things got even more interesting when MV1 had been a big failure, i.e. meaningful vote one on January 15th, MV2 had been a failure. Now she's potentially dangling the carrot of another meaningful vote. We'll come to that in a moment, but let's hear what the Prime Minister had to say about today's vote uh, on the extension. Such a short technical extension is only likely to be on offer if we have a deal in place. Therefore, the House has to understand and accept that if it is not willing to support a deal in the coming days, and as it is not willing to support leaving without a deal on the 29th of March, then it is suggesting that there will need to be a much longer extension to Article 50. Such an extension would undoubtedly require the United Kingdom to hold European Parliament elections in May 2019. I, I, I do not think that would be the right outcome. But the House, the House needs to face up to the consequences of the decisions it has taken. Really important, her timing there. She's talking about a technical delay which could take us to June 30th. That's the amendment the uh, Prime Minister is tabling today. Before I get into the weeds on this one as well and how the DUP and ERG could potentially be won round at this late hour by the government as well, let's hear what the Leader of the Opposition, Mr Corbyn, had to say uh, about why we've had to have this extension to Article 50 potentially being put on the table. While an extension of Article 50 is now inevitable, the responsibility of that extension lies solely and squarely at the Prime Minister's door. But, Mr Speaker, extending Article 50 without a clear objective is not a solution. Parliament must now take control of the situation. In the days that follow, Mr Speaker, myself, the Shadow Brexit Secretary and others will have meetings with members across the House to find a compromise solution that can command support in the House. This means, Mr Speaker, doing what the Prime Minister failed to do two years ago in searching, in searching for a consensus on the way forward. OK, lots of very important things in both of those bites there, whether the Parliament takes it away from the government as well. But the government's having one last stab at this. And people have always accused Mrs May of running down the clock. Well, now she's giving uh, a lot of the harder Brexiteers some very stark choices. You either go with me on MV3, uh, i.e. the Meaningful Vote 3, which will happen on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, next week, one of those days before the EU summit meeting, which is from the 21st as well. Go with me on this one or face potentially a very long extension. Now, a 
very long extension, which could be as far as a couple of years in some people's minds as well, could mean that there'd be a whole host of indicative votes, which would mean uh, a Norway Plus or a Customs Union or something which is very unpalatable to the harder Brexiteers. We've talked a lot about the high watermark uh, for harder Brexit. I've talked about this with Sir Bill Cash. I've talked about this with uh, Mr. Rees Mogg and others as well. And they do not want to see this becoming a softer or no Brexit at all. But how are they going to be one round? And this is my last and very important and quite complex point as well. Geoffrey Cox's advice was that things hadn't changed, that basically Britain would be stuck and Northern Ireland would be stuck in a backstop agreement in his legal advice. But there is a tweak to that. And actually, uh, there's been talks going on, according to The Times and others, that the DUP and harder ERG Brexiteers could be won round uh, by something called the Vienna Convention Article 62, which says if there is a fundamental change of circumstance, i.e. MPs determined that the backstop had become permanent, then the British could get legal advice to exit the backstop unilaterally. And that's very important for the DUP and for harder Brexit, i.e. the unilateral ability to extract themselves from a de facto customs union with the EU as well. This could be a way out if Mr Cox were able to convince MPs that there is a unilateral way out of the backstop that may be enough to convince people to vote in MV3, meaningful vote three, for Mrs May's amendment and then get this through so then we only have a short technical uh, increase and lengthening of the Article 50 process as Mrs May was talking about yesterday. This is her last, last gasp. And actually, I have to say, many people thought she was done and dusted, that she'd lost control of this as well. There's still a chance that this could still happen. Does that make any sense, Jeff? Yeah, I think it does. I mean, I, what I thought was interesting as well was how she, uh, in that um, unfortunate croaky voice that she has at the moment, once again raised the spectre of a second referendum. And when she did that, you knew that that was directed at the ERG group because it suggested to them there is a possibility that you may uh, not get the exit that you so badly want and you won't get it on my terms and you won't get it full stop. But it was interesting how the currency markets took that story and then ran with it. Chris Watling is here, Steve, in the studio with us. He's the CEO and Chief Market Strategist at Longview Economics. And Chris, let me bring you in on the pound sterling because it has it has proved to be that uh, sensitive measure of how the market feels about the politics here. And we did get that spike through 133. So what next for the pound as we sit and wait for the next indicative vote in the House of Parliament? I think the pound's a buy. I mean, I think, uh, and this has been our view for sort of a month or so, and really it seems to us the way it's playing out is is we either, are, and it continues to play out this way, we're either going to partially or wholly remain in the EU. Partially remain, I think, if, as Steve describes, Theresa May manages to convince the ERG and the DUP to get on side, because I think the Chequers deal is a partial remain, basically, or wholly remain if we extend Article 50 and end up with another referendum, which will probably be a vote to stay in the EU. So I think, I think and the pound, of course, has got a lot of hedging in it, and we're seeing that come out over the last sort of month or so as people are starting to realise that one of those outcomes is likely, uh, and we're getting towards some sort of conclusion. Let me just ask you then, um, we've been in a range, we've talked a lot about that range this week, 128, 133. When do we get the breakout? What piece of evidence does the market need to see to move us towards that 140, which you think is quite viable in the near term? I think perhaps um, uh, some, maybe a vote today for an extension to the Article 50, and perhaps also on top of that some acceptance from the EU 
uh, that they're going to extend Article 50, and perhaps for a long period of time. I mean, by, by the sounds of things, what Barnier is saying overnight is he's negotiating. He wants something for that extension, basically, is what he's saying. Uh, it's going to cost Britain money, or uh, we're going to have a long extension, which will end up, I think, with some sort of referendum promise, perhaps, in it. I doubt that'll come early, but that might come later. But uh, yeah, I think once it becomes clearer to the market that Britain's probably going to remain in the EU, if that happens, I think we break towards 140. Steve. Yeah, Chris, we talk a lot about the pound and um, obviously I listened to it very extensively to what Mr Hammond had to say yesterday. And actually, the UK economy looks in actually relatively a good position if they could get over the line on Brexit. When I listen to his numbers, if you believe uh, the fiscal dividend that he's got available. But I want to look at specifically about the European side of it. And I noticed you mentioned when you said Europe, you said Mr Barnier would want to, I'm paraphrasing you here, extract his pound of flesh if the Britons stayed in for an extension as well. But he's, he's the, um, the civil servant here. He is not the politician. And the politicians in Europe Europe are really, really struggling with this one as well. And the last thing they want uh, is the British and, and perhaps Nigel Farage with a strength and Brexit proposition in the MEP, in the European Parliament as well. So I put it to you actually from the Europeans' point of view, an extension is absolute disaster in many ways because not only are they going to get their own populace, but they'll also have a very noisy uh, set of British populace in the European Parliament as well. Plus, organisationally, it's a real problem for them as well. So is the euro a sale on the basis of an extension if there were to be one? Well, yeah, from the other side of the coin, and it's interesting um, economically as well. I think that there's a lot to be said for that. Whilst the British economy isn't going gangbusters, it, it's growing and it's looking better than a lot of what you're seeing in, in Europe. Whereas actually, if you think about mainland Europe, Italy's in recession. I think the Eurozone as a whole could easily move into recession, albeit a mild one in the near term. And we need more policy response from the ECB, so we need more loosening. Um, all of that supports a weaker euro, stronger pound and a continued breakout to the upside. So, but, but I'd also say in respect of they may not want Europeans, may not, mainland Europeans may not want British MEPs and so on and the Farages in the European Parliament. But I think what they, what they dislike even more is a hard Brexit and a crashing out, particularly when their economy is looking Chris. quite sensitive and quite weak. But Chris, you say they, and again, I think you're right to say they rather than it. I know we're, we're splitting hairs here because there are many different European politicians and what you and we tend to talk about is the centre, is those ones who are paid up to uh, the, the European project as well, albeit with their differing versions, whether you're French or German as well. But there are a lot of Europeans who are strengthening their positions, such as Marine Le Pen, such as Mr Salvini, who will do very well out of these European parliamentary elections uh, if the pundits and the polls are correct as well, who actually are quite salacious about the Brexit process. They like to see the populace doing well because they think it sticks one in the eye of the establishment and creates more disorder. Uh, what they see is a very Brussels, German-centric organisation. So there are many Europeans who actually are applauding what they're seeing in the British Parliament. Well, that's true. I mean, that's absolutely clear. But uh, ultimately, it comes down to um, what is the end game here? And I think the end game is uh, most, Europe, most European leaders and, uh, and perhaps the guys at the centre as well, the bureaucrats, as you say, would be, would be happy if the UK stayed in the EU. And this is a way to, to achieve that, an extension of Article 50 and an eventual second referendum. So I think that's a bigger end game. People would prefer it if Britain was still in. I think the Germans would prefer it. It would make a stronger EU, in their opinion. And, and I think that's really what the leaders of Europe are aiming for. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show weekdays on CNBC.